were before we planted this church here. You had no idea. And, and we came and on a word from God and somebody crying out and saying, please come plant a church in Eunice. Eunice needs a church like this. We started out in, I don't know how many different living rooms and beauty salons and all those kinds of things. Well, beauty salons were tough. The women, you know what's on the wall in a beauty salon. It's kind of hard to talk about Jesus. And anyway, so we, we've had those we've had those times, and, and most of you didn't even know us. And and we came here with a vision to plant a church. And here's the funny thing: is that in Jennings, we were actually we had actually already broken ground to to build a new building because we were kind of busting out of the seams. And we totally shifted gears and said, No, we're we're, we're not doing that right now. We're going to Eunice. We're going to start a church in Eunice. And, and so we spent some time with some people, discipling some people, and I was, I was here with Pastor Bubba and Tracy as they were, they were just, every, every week we were coming back and forth. It wasn't it Sunday afternoons? A lot of times we'd come in a Ford F-250, four-wheel drive, crew cat. Anyway, I mean, come on, when you're packing something, you've got to have something that can carry it, right? Amen? All right. I'm going to convert all of you to Ford before it's over with. And so we, uh, we had a good time, and God blessed us with this building, so we were able to purchase this building, and we came in, and we renovated this whole thing, and, and then we had these big vision meetings where all kinds of, what, the first vision meeting, what, we had 200 people? First vision casting meeting. I remember in here, the, the, the walls weren't, were the walls, that, no, the walls weren't that color. There wasn't hardly anything in here. It was just kind of plain, and, and we were in the middle of construction, and 200 people came to hear the vision of the church. And I wish I could tell you all 200 were still here. But they're not. But there's some that are. There's some that have been here from day one. And some of them walked in, and they, I looked, for Doug and Jennifer, they met Cheryl the first time. She was the first one to greet them. And she just had a little smile on her face, you know, those little things I was talking about, a smile on her face, and said, hey, welcome to our Savior's Church. And so we've, we've come a long ways. We've had some ups and downs. We've been kind of quiet at times, and We've made a lot of noise at times. We've done a servolution where we walked down this Highway 190 cleaning the streets and in bright yellow shirts. We've done some things. And so I'm excited about this five years because we've done some little things. And, you know, a video like this shows you that the little things mean a lot. Amen? Little things mean a lot. Spending time with people that are hurting means a lot. Right? And I believe this, as we're able to take care of the people God gives us, he's going to add more people to us. Amen? Why would he add more people to us than we could handle? Right? That's why we believe in discipleship. That's why we believe in pouring into people's lives. There's one thing people say when they come to this church is y'all are real. I'm serious. We're real. We preach it from the pulpit. If you think I'm real, you need to meet my pastor. He's more real than I am. So it's been an exciting five years. I'm excited about the, the next five years and what's coming and all the new faces that are here. And, and it's just it's an exciting time. So we're going to discipleship. We're going to keep doing what God calls us to do. Amen. We're going to see miracles continue to happen. Right, Miss Mary? We're going to see incredible things. We're going to see God move in this city. And we're going to reach this region in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, without any further ado, let me introduce to you my pastor, my spiritual father, my tormentor, my mentor, my friend, 
They call me Big Limit. They bring me hunting just because I can't shoot very well, so they get to use up my limit. <laughs> I caught on to that after the second year. It's like, what's up, Big Limit? So anyway, this man can call a goose in, and he can kick a devil out in the name of Jesus. And so he's been, he's been uh, just a, a mighty, mighty influence in my life and in my wife's life and Tracy also, and, and it's been a blessing. So would you stand and give it up for my pastor, Pastor Bubba McCann? Y'all can be seated. I'm just going to – actually, I'm going to preach from up here because uh, I just don't want to spit on anybody. I get excited and I spit, but uh, – you know, this morning is looking at that video and stuff. And the thing I think about so many times in, in all of our lives is that, uh, you know, a lot of times we think we can learn things in a church or we can learn things in a classroom or a setting. But the one thing I've learned about life is that you really learn things, not in the class, but in the journey of life. And, you know, you find out who people are when they really love you and they really care about you. You know, a lot of people in the video, I, I knew them, some of them before, and just seeing the process of what God's done, and, and it's just amazing. It, it really is. And, and so this morning, I, I'm just here. I'm excited. I mean, I remember coming by here, and me and uh, Pastor Harry Gomes, he'd come by here, and I showed him about the, I showed him the building. He's a guy, he just came and visited me about, about a month ago, and does crusades all over India. He'd had over 3 million people in his crusade this past year. And um, close to a million got saved. And, I mean, he's the kind of guy that sees the dead come from out of the coffin that they smell, you know what I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah, anyway. But, you know, this morning I'm just so excited uh, to be here. And uh, anybody that has a Ford truck, we're just trying to help you not be walking in pride or anything. <laughs> Every time they go to the gas pump in a big truck like that, they are humbled. <laughs> but uh, this morning, uh, I just want to share with you, I know that as I think about the journey of all of us in our lives, and, you know, I think about the things that we walk through, the things that we face, the things that we have to go through. Let me ask you a question. How many of you this year has been maybe like a tough year? Be honest. Let's be brutally honest. You know, it's just been a tough year. And you don't have to tell me, but, you know, from sometimes I know uh, that many of us walk through journeys and we don't understand why people act the way they do or what, they, how they, what they're doing, why they're going through what they're going through. You know, this morning before I, I share with you, I've been actually been journeying with a, a, a gentleman. Woo! Too much weight in my Bible. Is that? Crank it. There you go. Uh, he put the death grip on it. It ain't going nowhere. But, uh, you know, this morning, if you would, I, I want to go ahead and start my message this morning. And it's not my message. I really believe it's just the word God wants to give you. Is that all right? And so this morning, as, as we do, I have to put these on the read now. So please forgive me. Believe in, okay, if you would, as I read the Bible, would you stand to your feet and hold your Bible up? And if you don't have your Bible, just look down, act like you have your Bible. So I won't do any, ask you to do public reading. But if you come to church, it's good to bring your Bible. Okay, and all those. All right, anyway. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 7. And it's just, it's just, let me just go ahead and read. It says, then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of the harsh 
slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their sufferings. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey and the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the ites will be nothing. Anyway, now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And, and he says, you must lead my people out of Egypt. And so this morning, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing up. Just out of, But see, I, I think about this word, and if you're looking for a title, or if you, uh, let me just say, some of you might need to get a pen and a piece of paper because it's good to take notes because I just know that sometimes I forget things. And you go, man, that was good what they said, but you don't remember. I, I like this. Uh, you know, it's like I used to hear this. You know, it's like... Uh, it's a Chinese proverb, clean Bible, dirty Christian. Dirty Bible, what? Clean Christian. And it's not how much you mark your Bible up. It's whether or not God marks your life and God marks your heart. And you know that many of us come to that point in our lives. I know I came to a point in my life 32 years ago. That's hard to believe, but 32 years ago, I got saved when I was three. But anyway, just... Cried out, my mom took my pacifier away. But, but no, it's just, it's, you know, it's like it's in this portion, it just says, and I have seen the oppression of the sorrows of my people. And he said, I heard their cry. You see, this morning, for 40 years, Moses, here's Moses, here's this guy, you know the history of Moses. Here he is, he's been raised in the palace, he's a prince, he's one of the heirs, he's enjoyed the life of, a, of an Egyptian prince, and wherever he goes, he has authority, he has favor, he has, he'd be able to tell people what to do, where to go, and all of a sudden, you know what happens, he gets banished because what he tries to do in his own strength, he murders in a fellow Egyptian that, you know, that was bringing oppression or beating an Israelite because he began to find out who he was. You know, sometimes, have you ever done any family history? Like you go back and you look at some of the family history of where you come from, or where you've been. And, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, man, my, my last name's Oob. And I said, well, I'm related to any Oob that's, that's from New Iberia and the, the Lauraville area because that's where my family settled. I mean, I go back back to the Spanish in Louisiana. I don't know about you, but I have Cajun, Spanish, German, the last name McCann, Irish somewhere up in there. Somebody's own little leprechaun got up in there. I don't know how, but he did. And But my roots go way back. My, my great-grandfather was the second dentist in all of southwest Louisiana. He graduated from Tulane. Listen, he's graduating from Tulane Dental School, and his dental number was number two for the whole state. And his big claim to fame, he had the first x-ray machine in all of southwest Louisiana. He, wrote, he was really from, he grew up in Perry or Abbeville, right across the river from Abbeville. He rode a mule from New Orleans to Lake Charles to start his practice. I have a great aunt that was the first pilot woman pilot in the state of Texas, and she was also the first woman to be president of the Dental Association. It's pretty cool, you know? Then I have other people in my family that were in, were in the, the nut house. 
Seriously, they had shock therapy, wondering what, what the heck's going on. I mean, I have other relatives that, you know, it's like my grandfather. I, I mean, it was kind of cool. I go to the, the, uh, the a veteran's home, and I was sharing with the guys there one day, and, and the guy came up to me after. He goes, hey, McCann, where, where, where? He goes, are you related to any McCanns around Cameron? I said, well, my grandfather was a shrimper. He said, really? And he said, yeah, he's, uh, you know, Captain Bob. Bob McCann, Robert McCann. He goes, that was my friend. He said he helped me build my first shrimp boat. He made the nets that I had for my boat by his own hands. He said that guy could weld. He could be a mechanic. He, he built my friend. And his, he goes, my name is Dean. And, and, and you know, and he, he told me his name. And I went and told my grandmother, oh, yeah, he helped him. I went to my uncle's family, his uh, 65th wedding anniversary. And I told him about his name is Dean Goodman, the guy that he fixed the boat and everything. He said, yeah, I remember him. I remember him really good. I love I went to my uncle's 65 years. I mean, 65 years is a long time to be married. I, I, he goes, you know, people want to know my secret. And he, my uncle's kind of a character. And he goes, I'll tell you what my secret is. First of all, you get married for a lifetime. And second of all, you never go to bed angry at each other. It took me five nights, five days to go to bed one time. But anyway, we didn't go to bed angry. See, Moses, he had this pedigree. He was the prince. And and what happens, he was banished out of Egypt from all that he had. And as he was banished, here's this young prince with strength. All of a sudden, the sun, the sand, the solitude, and smelly sheep did what it couldn't do, anything else could do. How many of you know you hang around sheep long enough? How many of you have ever been around sheep? Do they smell? Are they stupid? Okay, do you have to lead them to go somewhere? You do, and God compares us many times to sheep. How does that make you feel this morning? He had to deal with the sun, the, the sheep, and, and the smelly stuff, and the solitude, and it. And Moses was almost gone. Moses went out a shepherd and came back a deliverer. You know why? Look at me. Because this is what happened. Moses had an encounter with God. He had an encounter. What what, what do you mean, Pastor Bubba, encounter? He met God. He met God. Remember, there was one part. He says, God, when you pass by, I want to see your glory. And the Bible says that he saw just his back. But you know what that, when you really break that down, you know what that really means? He said he saw the afterglow of God. He saw God's presence walk right by. I mean, you know, I know that 32 years ago, my pastor, Pastor Jacob Aranza, led me to the Lord. It wasn't a crusade. It wasn't a backward masking uh, crusade that he was doing. It wasn't any of those kind of things. He used to do backward masking, you know, where you get the, the records and you play them backward and they go, I want to kill you. You know, Satan, 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 Satan. People, ah! But you were singing all that anyway. It didn't matter. And, and, you know, and it's like I came to a point where I was so miserable with myself that God began to speak to me. How many of you have ever heard voices? All right, all right, some of you are. All right, let me, let me just say this. What do you mean, Pastor? See, I have crazy people on one side. Let me clarify you know, there was times when I really would go to bed at night and there was things that would literally cry out from within me. 
There are times I've heard voices. How I many you know we all hear voices in our head? It's either God, it's either us, it's the devil. Come on, or just circumstances. You know, we all hear voices. Come on, look at you name and go, yeah, you, you are what I thought you were. Anyway, whatever that is. And see, God often comes for our salvation when we stop looking for him. See, Moses wasn't looking for God. Can I tell you something? I wasn't walking around looking for God, but I came to a point in my life where I knew I needed a change. Say it with me. Say change. God wants to bring change to our lives. How do you believe that? You see, there's three things God had seen and considered when he looked at the children of Israel. The first thing he said, he saw their sorrows or he saw their oppression. That's what it means. And, and there was no relief from their taskmasters, but God saw their tears. You know, the, you know, I was reading up a thing and there's, 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 there's three B's in the Bible. There's a, there's a, the first B is that God throws all your sins in a bag and throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. The next thing is that not only does God have a bag for our sins, but God's got a bottle for every tear that we cry. And what the children of Israel used to do is they used to have tear bottles where if you would cry, you would catch your tears and you'd keep it in that bottle. And many times when you cry out to God, you would get that tear bottle and you begin to pour it out before God. And God, and it represented God, here's my tears. The second thing is he heard their cry. God is not deaf to the cries of people that are afflicted. How many of you have been through tough stuff and you just hated what you were going through? Come on. I was talking to a guy, and he said, you know, he had this rebellious son, and the Lord really spoke to him. And he said, he said, look, this is what he did. He, the, dad, the Lord spoke to this man. He said, I want you to bless your son, not with stuff. He said, I want you to bless him with your words. And he'd walk in, he'd lay at night, son, how's my beautiful, lovely son? How's my son that loves God? How? And he just began to compliment his son. And his son would just become more rebellious. And, and after a while, after about a year and a half, this father just blessing his son. All of a sudden, the son came in, and he cried, and he got on his knees. He said, Dad, stop it. Stop saying all these things about me. They're not true. I've been living a lie. You've been calling me all these things, and I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need to give my life to God because all you've done is bless me with your words. And your words have pierced my heart. And I need to know this good God that you serve. See, God understands our sorrows. God hears our cries. Then he saw the, pers- he saw the cruelty of the persecutors. You know, let me tell you something. Sometimes people are facing trials so God can give them the things that only he can give. Sometimes we go through things because the only th- way we're ever going to come out, and everything that we really need, it has to come from God and, him- and God himself. Does that mean God puts these things on us? No, but I believe that God allows us to walk through things. See, uh, maybe you've heard Jamie say this, but I tell people you learn truth by one or two ways, either through revelation, you got it. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Or through tribulation. Can I just say I'm a slow learner? I usually learn through tribulation to get the revelation. You see, here's what he says in verse 8. Let's just go here. It says, I have come down to rescue them. This shows me that his heart, that, you know, God wants to do it. God wants to come. He wants to be effective, 
And by supernatural means, here's, here's three things I want you to write down. Number one is nothing is, is, nothing is too hard for God. How many of you know nothing's too hard for God? And the second thing is no situation justifies despair. Sometimes you get news or you find out things and you go, oh, no, it can't be me. It can't be, oh. How many you got bad news before? And then when they had bad news, it just got worse. Then after it got worse, it got even wor- more than worse. You know what I'm talking about? You see, what he's saying is nothing justifies despair. You know, when I first found out that I had cancer and I've been fighting it for almost two years, when I first found out that I had it, you know, the doctors came and you know the first thing I did? I dropped to my knees in the doctor's office. And I said, God, the battle's yours. I trust you. And I got up, and my wife's my witness. You know, the doctor told me, you know, he had gone somewhere else, and I just, I looked at her and I said, listen, doc, this is a journey for me. This is a journey for my wife and my family and people that are in our church. It's a journey. But you know what? As much as it's a journey for me, it's a journey for you to see the hand of God. To see God's hand. Nothing justifies despair. I have a man when I was going to get my diagnosis for my CT scan and they couldn't find anything in that, that particular time. And I'm walking, I'm walking in. I don't even know the news yet. And I have another friend walking out and I hadn't seen him in 18 years. And he goes, hey, Bubba, Bubba McCann. And I look and I go, whoa. And it's, it's this guy named Wayne Melanson and his wife, Faye. And I hadn't seen him in 18 years. I go, hey, bro, what's going on? He goes, well, uh, yeah, I just got some news. It's not that great. I said, well, what's going on? Tell me, tell me. He said, well, they just found out that I have inoperable cancer in my liver, Baba. And we started talking. I said, well, man, I've been fighting things. So I've had colon cancer, and it spread. It went, they took it out of my colon, and it spread to my liver. And, you know, I'm just, and I said, I, I kind of know what you're going through. But I love what he said. He said, but I'm not worried. He said, and he looked at me, he said, what's the worst? He said, you know, Bubba, really the worst thing that can happen to me? I can go be with Jesus. So, so I'm being threatened with heaven. And you know what? He called me last night to pray, to pray with me, and I prayed for him, and I encouraged him. I think about a guy right now. How many of you know Francis Drilling Fluids? Right on the interstate. You need to be praying for Mike Francis's wife, Marcy. She's right now. She's in hospice. She only has a few days. I've been praying with Mr. Mike every day, going to see him, talk to him. And God is doing, I mean, I mean, he's ready for her to go. You don't hear me? But it's a moment where he goes, I'm ready for her to go, but I'm going to miss her. And the next thing is, all things are possible with God. You see, Jesus came to bring redemption through his word. He came down from heaven to deliver us. Think about it. I, I love it. It's the hush of heaven. You imagine the announcement when Jesus came and the father God came. He says, duh, 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 duh. everybody, everybody gather around, gather around, gather around here. Got an announcement. Everybody, yeah, what's going on? I'm sending my son, Jesus, to the earth. And he's going to go down to all those little stinky sheep that we call humans. And he's going to love them, help them, 
give his life for them to come back. You imagine the angels and everybody, the host of heaven, go, what? Going down there for who? Them? They never do anything you tell them to do anyway. Why? Because God wanted to show his love toward us that he would send his son. See, they should have exchanged. See, what God wanted to do, listen to me, and I'm, I'm going to get right in this message. What God wanted to do was to bring your bondage. God takes you from bondage to liberty or to freedom. How many believe that? Look, before I knew Jesus, I was bound by a lot of stuff. I was bound by drugs. I was bound by alcohol. I was bound by lust or pornography. I was, I was bound by many other things. I was met, bound by lying. I was bound by stealing. I mean, come on. Oh, he was bad. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. And you might not have done those things, but you may be just a goody-goody that you need God. And because you've been so good, you're so proud about how good you've been. Let me, let's do a test. How many of you have ever lied in here? How many of you never lied? Don't you raise your hand, liar. We've all, the Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All oh, sharp people, that's hope. We have fallen short. God made me for battle. See, he wants to take us from poverty to plenty. That doesn't mean money. Okay? That means that you had a spirit of poverty. You just couldn't receive. All of a sudden, God wants you to learn to receive so you become rich in him. And he wants to take you from your labor to rest. I re- Listen to me. Your response, my response, our response determines our destiny. Are you hearing me? When I looked at the doctor and said, God, I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing for a miracle. And the whole time I'd be, I mean, when I'm doing chemotherapy, I'm praying for people. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging people. People are crying. They had a 50-something-year-old lady crying because she's going to have her first treatment. Her mom's there. She's 70-something. And she's like, and, then that, and, and like all the people just loved on me. You know what I mean? All the Cajun ladies and all that. And, they, and I'm, I'm just trying, can I just pray for you? And, and, and they're sitting there like you sit in these chairs. You can relax. And they're pumping you with poison, okay? And I'm trying to encourage you. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a preacher. Hi, I'm Pastor Bubba. I just go, I'm Bubba. I said, can, and I didn't even hear this. I said, man, man, you okay? You know, the Bible says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But perfect love casts out our fear. Can I just pray that the love of God come and touch you? And it's funny to have these two Cajun ladies across. Now, nah, you better listen to him. That's a good little boy you have. So I pray for her. I'd love to say she got better. She just allowed fear to overwhelm her. I prayed for people that I met a guy that was a, a guide on White Lake for over 30-something years, Mr. Mouton. He makes handmade uh, calls. They're $200 a piece, and he's got till December. Unless God works a miracle, he's going to go. And guess what? God put me in the right place at the right time. I, can I just make something? Can I just share something? God blessed me with cancer so I could be a blessing wherever I went. The same Jesus that delivered me from myself is the same God that can heal me. Are you hearing me? I'm not walking. You're not smart. I'm not going around. Actually, my hair's starting to grow back. 
The other day, somebody goes, Pastor Bubba, your hair's growing back shag. I said, yeah, I need to get a crew cut. They need to all stand up. But see, you, let me just say this. Here's what happens when you're going through something. You've got, you can never isolate yourself when you're going through a crisis. I'm just going to go through this by myself. Well, good. I saw a guy the other day. He said, yeah, my wife, she should have been a nun. I said, no, she wouldn't. She should have been. If she was, she, she wouldn't have you. Well, that's true. I better stop saying that. But it's not about that. See, let me tell you something. It's like this. Religion will never get you to Jesus. Hello? Religion just make you look stupid. I remember when I was a kid, listen, I used to think, we used to, my brother and I used to have this guy. His name was Mr. Mouton, Alfred Mouton. He used to drive us in his Econoline van. To school, and he'd sing. He'd do all kinds of stuff, and yeah, he met. He really had an experience with God and the charismatic movement of the Catholic Church. Really did. But I remember I was like, he'd always try to tell us about the Lord, and I, you know, I, for me, I thought he was crazy. I literally thought the man had flipped a few marbles. I mean, he'd get in the car and go, "Hey, praise the Lord!" Hey, you know. Then he'd get mad at God. I told you, and y'all listen. Jesus wants to help. He'd go to his house, his, his son Chuck, he goes, he'd look at his son Chuck, and he goes, Dad, you want your usual? Yeah. Get his, his liquor and hand it to him and everything else. And I started saying, wait a minute. And I used to see guys that wear these big crosses, you know, like. And I thought, wow, they're religious. They must really know God. Now, listen, I wasn't raised into the Catholic Church. I actually became converted to Catholicism when I was 12 years old. My mom made me. See, my mom was raised Methodist. My dad was raised Baptist. My grandmother on one side was Jehovah Witness. On the other side, she was charismatic. My mom left my dad for another man, and he was Catholic. So I didn't need religion. I needed out of my state of confusion. Amen? I remember going to Catholic church because I remember one time that we were hungry and they had the Eucharist on the table and the priest, and I took it and I ate it. Anybody that's cat that grew up Catholic, they go, oh my, I went to cathedral, okay? And all my friends are going, you just hate the body of Jesus. What does that mean? I said, the last person I heard that ate something like that, that did that, that sacrilege, they bled from the inside out. Man, the rest of the day at school, I'm looking for blood coming to my nose, going in the mirror, going, ah, you know. I'd seen the exodus, and my brother wanted to sleep in my bed with me, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I remember drinking holy water one time. I was thirsty and sulfur at the Catholic church. I'm water, holy, might to be good. My friends going, ah! Why are you saying all that, Bubba? Because you know what? Our circumstance won't change in our complaining. Somebody, well, I wasn't raised right. I wasn't this. So what? Well, I've been hurt. Come on, let me ask you. How many of you been hurt in this room? All of us have been hurt. Get over it. I come from a fractured home. I come from a home where my mom, my dad found out my, wife, my mom was having an affair. And he went in there and beat her up. 
I broke the door down. I saw it all. And my dad and my uncle, look what he did. Look what she did. Wrecked my world at 10 years old. People, well, you know, and then I dabbled in drugs and did all these other things to kind of get attention and the approval of people. Those things didn't work. I've had people hurt me. I've had people use me, even being a Christian. Say this with me. Say, God made me for battle. Can I just tell you something? You become what you pursue. And see, at this church, we're celebrating five years. And you know what? We want to, you know what? We want to reach people and build people's lives. When you watch a video like that, you just go, man, God, you're doing, you know, like you might go, what's God doing? God doing anything? You know what? You, all you got to do is show that video. God's doing things in people's lives. I have a guy in our Jennings church. His daddy was the judge in town. God's delivering from drugs. I mean, in just this journey that I mean, I mean, actually, we bought the house. It's kind of funny. We bought the house that his parents sold us. And his mom's just a spirit-filled believer, been praying for her son, all this stuff. You know, and, and it's like, you know, and it's like, but the neat thing is, he ended up leading to the Lord. The guy's doing great. He, he said, Look, you know, Pastor Bubba, the Lord spoke to me. I'm supposed to go wash your house. Wash, he pressure washed my house this year. He even came and painted my deck. He even came a couple of weeks ago when he was there, and he was talking to me and Nathan. He goes, you know, Nathan, what room do you have? He goes, ooh, my mama put anointing oil all over that room. And you're living in that room. There's devils in there. You need to cast those things out. I remember when I was taught, my brother's here. I remember my mom was involved with a prayer meeting, used to come to her house. And one time they broke into my room and put anointing oil on my bedpost, on my posters, in my drawer. It was I'm like, I felt violated but they were going you know i mean you know can you imagine they coming and i remember going to the this it used to be it was called the charismatic teaching center and my brother and i would sit in the back and you know my grandmother my mom would make us come and we'd sit in the back we were stoned most of the time and no one would say hi to us and they would just those ladies in the bible said oh devil boys jesus name and they brought by That's how they pray with devil boys. Hello to Jesus. It worked. <laughs> but see, why did Jesus create us for a battle? Because before man ever felt, God knew he'd given us dominion over everything. We forfeited dominion right in the garden. That means our authority that God had given us in the garden. See, you, here's a step away. When is the last time you had one of those moments, and you just, you just, why am I doing this? You ever one of those moments? Or you just, how many of you ever get mad at yourself? Like you fuss at yourself. You call yourself names. You hurt yourself, then you really get, you know, you stupid. I can't believe you. Come on. You know, sometimes we get to that point where we just get so frustrated with ourselves. And see, that's what I'm talking about. A step of faith is if you have an, an argument with God and you win, you actually lose. But if you have an argument with God and he wins, you win. You see, God, because, listen, our task is to take back the dominion that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. See, we have to be, we have to confront the enemy but also ourselves. You know, 
The devil's not going to come to you with a pitchfork and swing in his tail and go, hey, <laughs> and twist his head around like in the movie The Exorcist. How many ever saw that movie? I mean, it's like nothing anymore. But, man, when I was a kid, I went to the drive-in twin theater in Lafayette, my brother and I, and another guy. Listen, I had my own room. My brother always had problems with sleeping with some. But I, I had an extra bed, and I, he said he got in the extra bed that night. When that girl twisted her head, you know, you're going, ah! I mean, like, you ah! Back in the day, I mean, you see on the big screen, they're driving, and they're going, <laughs> Can I tell you something? You think that's scary? How about someone that knows the Lord and knows what to do and yet don't do it? What a scary moment to live in eternity without God. What a scary moment. What a scary moment. But see, I'm not here to talk about all that this morning, but we have to confront the enemy. See, Matthew 28, verse 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority. Listen to what it says, in heaven and on earth. Everywhere I go, he's with me. Amen? See, authority is different than power. People, I want the power. You know what? When you have authority, it's greater than power. Like Joni, where's Joni Miller? She was like, her son, yeah, I'm taller than you, mom. I said, that don't matter. They can get as big as they want. You got the wallet. You have authority. You got the van. You have transportation. You got a house. Come on. How many of your children ever bow up and go, I'm leaving? You go, praise God, my checkbook will be, I'm fixing to have revival. Go. Your mama wants to pack you. Come on, that felt good. I just had to get that out. Authority is greater than power. Authority is only effective when you exercise it. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Authority is only effective when you use it. How many of you know that you can have the skinniest cop in Eunice? And he can have a broke-down car, but if he got them little lights, I don't care if he's born in five and he got his silver bullet moment. I don't care. You know what? You can Listen, you can have a Chevrolet 350, and you can have 400 horsepower going down that, but when that little guy turns on his lights, and he goes, get out of the car. He has authority. Why? That little badge says he has authority. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And see, when you have authority, it's greater than power. People, I want power. I want authority. And the only way you get authority, this is that people will not see the power of God till they use his authority. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? See, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the enemy. You know, a fourth of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons, and only a third of it was healing. No adversity equals no opportunity. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? That when I go through adversity, that gives God an opportunity to show up. You know what pressure does? How many of you have ever been under pressure? It's kind of like you get that Coke can or that, that, you know, that three liter. Those are fun. You shake that baby up. You kick it. You do whatever. And there's pressure. And sometimes that's how life is. Your life is being kicked around. All this stuff's happening to you. People shaking you up. 
and it's all week. And you're, you're going, I can't wait to make it to a Sunday because if I don't make it to a Sunday, there's, I'm going to blow up. And all of a sudden, like, and all of a sudden that pressure, it gets, begins to build. And, you know, you've been under pressure and you haven't allowed God to be the governor in your life. It's kind of like, you ever have those little go-karts or, or mini bikes? Remember, I remember, I remember the first thing that I wanted to know when I got a mini bike, where's the governor? Why? Because you want to take that sucker off because you want to go as fast as you can. That's the first thing I wanted to know as a kid. And the first thing a mama wants to know, lock it. <laughs> Clamp it down, weld it. But, you know, if you got boys, you know, take that. Yeah, you go. More than a feeling. <laughs> you're singing all them songs, boys are back in town. You know, you're doing all that stuff. Why am I saying that? I don't know. But I'm coming back to the point. The point is this, is that, you know, many times without adversity, without adversity, it doesn't give God the opportunity to show up. And some of you being going, get rid of that adversity. I don't want this stuff. I don't need this stuff. You know what God's doing? God's doing the inside job on you. But you know what? Because see, when you're under pressure, whatever you're in comes out of you. And that, you know, you know come on. I mean, when I first got saved, I had to go work at this little discipleship school for three weeks in Waco, Texas. It wasn't with David Koresh, I promise. We're working there, and I only been saved like two weeks. And I remember, you know, we they go go pick some weeds, and I had a good attitude. I was picking weeds, I loving the Lord, and all this stuff. And your sister was there, all your brother was there. I had all kinds of people. The, the son that uh, Barry Thompson's son, David Thompson, was K A J N. We, I mean, Pastor Jacob brought like fifteen kids, and we were just like some of us just knew. I remember when Alden was compromising, he was drinking wine, and I got delivered. And I used to preach, quit that, you know. Anyway, anyway, and I remember being there picking those weeds. Now, listen, I've only been saved like four weeks, three weeks. And I remember picking those weeds one, and it had a thorn in it. And I got a thorn, and some pressure started building. And before I could do anything, something blurted out of my mouth that those religious, holy little children had never heard. <laughs> and I remember it came from the deep bowels within me. And all the kids went, their ears were smoking. Don't you look at me like you're holy. Look, I've been saved for 32 years. There's been moments in God, can you just turn your head? Okay, Lord, let's start over. I remember that came out of me, and I was just like, I went to my counselor, and I confessed what I had done, and I thought he was like, you're out. But he said, you know what? It's all right, man. At least you're being real. Let me tell you something. At our Savior's church, it's not about you saying the right words. It's not about what you wear or what you don't wear. We want you to wear clothes, so come take your clothes. <laughs> you know what? The only way you can come if you're a demoniac and you come in naked, we'll deliver you. But anyway, you're laughing. I, I was in a village one time in Mexico. They had a demoniac. This woman used to walk around the town naked. Come on. And she got delivered. I mean, you know, come on. Is a naked woman or naked boy coming here? We're going to deliver them, all right? 
And so what happens is everywhere I go, he goes with me. You know what gives you authority is obedience. Obedience. Remember when you were a kid and you got a hall pass? Yeah, how many wanted hall pass? You just wanted out of class. I always wanted hall pass. I wanted out. Remember? And if the teacher would stop you, or the principal would go, McCann, come here. What are you doing in the halls? Oh, Miss Jumaville said, okay, well, good. All right. Go to the bathroom. Go back. Go back to class. You know what I'm saying? It gave you what? Authority. I didn't have anything in me, but that authority, that little note gave me authority to do what I was supposed to be doing. Sometimes I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, but it gave me an out. And see, the, the incredible thing is God has placed his authority. Listen, when you blew it, come on, listen to me. How many you ever blown it? Jesus said this. It's like you going before, you know, it's like being in a, a, a setting of a courtroom. And all of a sudden, here, you have one side, the prosecuting attorney, and then you have the defense attorney. And you're sitting at the table, and all of a sudden, the prosec- the devil comes in, and he's the prosecuting attorney. Come on. And he goes, bring all the files on Bubba McCann. Oh, get a semi. They're wheeling out the phone thing. They're pulling out the, the files. And they go, oh, September 19. And listen, it's all true. All of it. We got here. He did this. Yeah, he said me. And I'm just standing there going, man, I'm guilty. I'm guilty as called. There's no defense. But you know what I'm going to love? When my defense attorney has enough. And he goes, stop. Right there. On May 15th, 1980. I have the document right here. Proof. Evidence. He bowed his knee, gave his life to me. And guess what? I washed him with the blood. And all those files are no more. What file have you been listening to? What lie have you allowed the accuser come at you with? Come on. You know, think about it. You're here, and I believe this. The Holy Spirit's speaking to some of you. You know, there are things, you know, I love what my wife said. You know, she was telling me some people just worship guilt. They're just worshipers of guilt. Oh, you know, you can't get over your guilt, your shame. Can I just say something to you? You've got to learn to accept the authority Jesus gives. Jesus' ministry. You know, First John 3 eight says, but when people... Keep sin, keep on sinning. It shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the son of man came to destroy the works of the devil. The Lord came to take away your sin. The basis of victory is, let me just say this. The only way you win, let me give you an example. You won't forget it. I remember the first time I ever went to Jennings, Louisiana. And God has spoken this to me many times. Use it as a parallel in my Bible, in my life. And my brother's going to know. He's here this morning. He can be a witness. We, my dad was a coach for Sulphur High School. We were playing on the side with some kids, you know, just like, like a can ball. You make a, out of a Coke can, you can make a football. Remember when you were, we were just poor. Anyway, and we were playing football with these kids. And this one guy that was bigger than my little, my, my little brother's bigger than me. But back in the day, I was bigger. Anyway, 
Man, I remember these guys kept picking on my brother. And I said, man, you better stop it. You better stop it. Stop picking on him. And they, said, and I mean, they kept kind of picking on him and said, if you do it again. And I remember they did it again. And I remember I got in this, the biggest fight. It was Sulphur High School football team. And Jenny's high, and they're pulling for me. Go, McKinn! And I beat up this guy. I'm not proud of what I did, but I'm just saying, the only way you ever beat an enemy is you have to attack him. See, we're so used to, you got to fight back. We're so used to going, the devil coming, yeah, you no good for nothing. Look at you, look in the mirror. It used to be all good and smooth. You're sagging and dragging, baby. Used to be a, a, used to be a hump, now you a chunk. Look at you. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, you used to have hair, but you preached yourself out of hair. How many of you have heard those lies? Man, that's where you have to go. No way, shut up. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than anything I hear or face in the world. No matter if my husband called me old bag of dirt, he needs to get, Lord, you take care of him. We know that you are, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by your hand. basis of your victory is you have to attack to win. If you attack, we win. You see, I know this. The devil is short and he has no eyelashes. The Bible says the wicked are cut short. And if you live in hell long enough, everything's going to get burned off anyway. There are three words I want you to listen to me and hear me. The first thing word is that God, the Bible says in this verse, Exodus Exodus 3, that God went down. That means Jesus has come down, and he's coming down and looking at your circumstances. He's heard your cry, and he wants to deliver you. How many of you believe that? He wants, to take you out of the, he wants to take you out of the land of bondage where there's not enough. He wants to get you to the promise where he wants to get you to the promised land where there's more than enough. Come on. How many of you want to live where there's more than enough? There's more than enough. Then he wants to get you out of your strength. He wants to deliver you. He's a deliverer. And he wants to seat you in places that he's promised. You see, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. This is a picture of what Jesus was going to do. We're talking about Moses in the Old Testament. But see, the Old Testament is just a New Testament concealed, but the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. You see, the children of Israel couldn't fight because they, they held on to bondages. They held on to guilt. What are you holding on to? You know, there's a guy that he was holding on. He was hoping that he had this, he had this idol that he worshipped and he was living in India. There's all kinds of idols. And he was holding on to this, thinking that this, this idol would help him to become well. So he held on to it and he prayed to this idol. And when the man died... It's a true story. When the man died, they went to go pick him up. And when they went to go pick him, they saw the idol that he was worshiping. On the bottom of the idol, it said, made in China. He was worshiping and holding something in his hand that man had made. And many times we try to look to things that are man-made rather than God trying to come and just help us and deliver us. See, the power of God, if the power of God is love, if the greatest force in the universe is love, the greatest enemy is unforgiveness or resentment. Just, it is. It took the children of Israel 40, day, 40 years to accomplish an 11-day journey. 
They were, see, they were content to live on enough, just manna for the day. Are you content with just enough? See, there's giants in the desert. They were, listen, they were, you know, when they were going, man, you know, I don't know if we can go. When they went to go check out the promised land and they sent out Caleb and, and Joshua. And that, what was the report when they came in? There's giants in the land. There's giants, but God had promised them the land. And guess what? Even though God's promised you things, there's some giants that you and I have to face sometimes. I'm not talking about. Some of it may be the giant of fear. It may be the giant of rejection. I had to walk through that. I, let me tell you, a rejection, I've even had to deal with that in my Christian walk. Where I had to come to that point where I had to forgive someone. And I didn't want to hold resentment to someone. And I thought it was their fault. But they were just like everybody else. They had things. And I blamed them for why the way I was. And the reality was, you know what? It was a tool. It was a trap. It was, an ins- it was a snare of the enemy. It was like a trap when a trapper sets in. And, and you know what happens is, is all of a the animal steps in. And what do they try to do? They try to bite their own foot off, even in the trap. People who can't, let me just say this. If you can't find God in the easy times of life, it's going to be very difficult for you to find God in the hard times of life. Can I say that again? If you think it's, listen, when it's easy, listen, I'll just say, people who can't find God in easy times, how much, how are you going to find God during the hard times? You see, the promised land is the land of abundance. Are y'all with me? Am I in the right church? When you do all you can do, God steps in and does what only he can do. God can do anything. But you got to leave a place. See, I believe this. God's dream is the devil's nightmare. God's dream for your life is the devil's nightmare. You have to face your giants. How many of you have had giants in your life? I remember when I was a kid, I lived on 1221 Cactus Drive. And they used to have, I used to go see my friend David Monso. In order to get to David Monso's house, I had to ride my bike. And, they, and this is before leash laws. Remember those days? What is it? Leash laws, you, you have to tie your dog up. or can, But there was this time where, and I remember riding my bike. And I remember just this dog would come at me, and he would just torment me. When he was a puppy, he was fine. But when he got older, he didn't like me. And guess what? The feelings were mutual. I didn't like him because, you know, I learned to ride a bike with one foot. One foot on one pedal and the other foot right up my booty, you know what I mean? Because he was coming. The dog had a vision. He wanted to detach my leg and bring it to his porch and eat it. That's how I felt. And I can remember riding my bike in there. I can see the dog coming. I already start crying. And I'm thinking, oh, please, please, no. And sometimes you hope he's in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? But he was out. And I remember one day something happened. I snapped. You know that crazy side of my family talk about? Something happened. I remember I, it wasn't because I was brave. I was just so frustrated, so mad for that dog doing whatever it could do to me. Just caused all these emotions to come up. Made me look like a fool in front of my friends. You know what I'm saying? And I remember I just threw my bike down. And I went and I got right in that dog's face. I just went, I just went up and I went, ah! Ah! And it's literally like that dog. He was, when I did all that, he went, And he took off. 
never came back. Look at me. If you think facing your devils and facing your giants, you got to look good, baby. It don't matter how you look. It don't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter where you came from. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People will, how do you do it? Is there three steps? No, you just cry out to God. God! Sometimes you got to draw the line and go, enough is enough. You see, you got to go down to come up. And then God wants to, you see, listen, let me just finish it up. Let me wrap it up. Y'all ready for me to wrap it up? How many, give me five minutes. Come on, here you go. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. All right, I'm ready. Y'all, I hadn't preached here long enough for them to catch that. Ephesians 6, it just says this, a final word. I love this. Final word, be strong in the Lord. God will never ask you and me, you and me, to do what he doesn't enable us to do. You believe that? You would never send your child anywhere that you don't think that he could deal with the circumstances. Are you hearing me? There are some houses my children cannot play. They can't go in the house. Why? Because they're not prepared for what they're going to see that goes on in that house. I remember one day they had a girl that came and, and literally my wife wouldn't, wouldn't let him, Luke go in the house and this little guy and, and you know, we, didn't, we really didn't trust the guy and we found out later why we didn't trust the guy. But I remember one time, you know, he'd always, you know, they'd, he'd, can I go in so-and-so's house? And my wife would go, no, no. And then she came, the mother came. Is there a problem? Is there a problem with, you know, me? Is it because I'm living with a guy? Is it because I'm jacking up? glad my wife was there and not me. She was very graceful through the whole thing. What's that about? You just say things we don't want our children to hear. We don't want those things to influence them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he says, be strong in the Lord. See, not strong. And see, let me just say this. And let me speak to you that, that walk with the Lord. You have a real good walk with the Lord. Books aren't going to draw you closer to God. Your radio, I don't know many people that get saved on the radio by listening to the radio. Now, when Shambach used to come on, remember R.W. Shambach? Don't you touch that dial. The Lord is speaking to you. I hadn't heard anybody do that in a long time. If I get on the radio, I'm going to do that. Stop. You're driving down the road right now. Don't you touch that dial. God is on you. Where is he? He's on me, on my back, on my head. He's whispering in your number. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Let me tell you something. You're looking for strength. It's right here. People go, I need a word from the Lord. There's a lot of words in here. I'm not telling you to go play Bible roulette. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go, oh, I need a word. Okay, let's see. Judas went and hung himself. No, I don't need that one. Whatever thou doest quickly, do it quickly. No, I'm not going to hang myself quickly. You need to be in God's word. You need to be in God's presence. And this is what he says. Put on all the armor so that you will be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. How many of you know that life is a battleground? You know why churches and people are weak sometimes? 
You know why you can go to church and you wonder if it's a funeral home rather than a church? It's because when you're at a place, you need to put, you need to arm yourself with armor. You need to equip yourself with weapons. And what are the weapons? The Bible, it's God's spirit. It's the word of God. The Bible says, look what it says. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Sometimes wouldn't that be easier? But against evil rulers and authorities of unseen of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And let me just give this to you as a word to you. Let the armor wrestle for you. That armor has won before. God is a miracle performer. He's a promise keeper. He knows your circumstances. He knows where you came from. He knows knows your destiny. And if God does anything in your life, he should get the credit. You know, it makes me sick sometimes when people come to church, you know, well, I, you know, I did, I did. You know, you know what, God along the way. Listen, when I get to heaven, look at me, I'm going to tell you the truth. When I get to heaven, it's going to be like the Verizon commercial. I made it. And all I'm going to do is because I had the network of people behind me. Remember that commercial? How did you get into something? The network. You know, there's a network that God uses. You know, there are people that don't even come to this church. God uses them. If God can use a donkey, like my, my old friend Papa Salerno, he's just, if God can use it, he was Italian. If God can use an, uh, an ass, that's what it's called in the King James. He can use anybody, him. Yeah. God wants to use you. Look at your neighbor and say this, God's speaking to you. Look at the neighbor you didn't look at and say, what is he telling you to do? I'm done preaching, but let me just share this. I believe we're celebrating a five-year anniversary, but I believe this God's got greater things in store than we've ever seen. Five years ago, I was by the back door praying for this building. Almost, is it two, three, two years ago, I went to Jamie. I remember Jamie came to me one day, and I know he won't mind. He says, Pastor Bubba, do you think I'll ever, like, pastor a church? And I looked at him and said, Jamie, don't you ever let anybody tell you you'll never do anything. Because you know what I've learned in God? People put a never on you, but God never puts a never on anybody ever. Only people do. I've seen people that I thought that would never give their lives to the Lord, and it just blows my mind. Every time I see them, and, yeah, they're talking, they're excited. They got the love of God. They got that fire in their eyes. They have that passion in their heart. And you go, that's God. That's God. And see, I just want to share something with you this morning. You may have been crying out. God's come down. He wants to lift you up out of your circumstances. 
to give you his strength, to give you his power, to give you his grace. And the grace is this, is that God, you know what? We all have things we've done in our lives. But you know the thing I love about when you give your life to God? You know what you do? You exchange your grave clothes because you were walking in death. And you put on God's grace clothes. He covers you. He covers your flaws. He covers your shortcomings. He covers you. How many need that? How many need to be dressed in that? In grace clothes. Listen, I know sometimes it can be hard to get to church. Sometimes the, the biggest fights you have is right before you get to church. You know what I mean? With your husband, with your children. You know, you're like, you, you didn't comb your hair this morning. Come here, you got that cowlick. Mama, don't shut up. I'm going to. Oh, this is Pastor Jamie. Hi, Pastor Jamie. Smile, kids. You know what God wants? God just wants us to be real. You know what's going to really affect the heart of Eunice when people just love God and they're real? Let me ask you a question. How many of you walked in a little anger this week? Don't raise your hand. How many, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, this, Simon says, Pastor Bob would say, anyway. How many of you have struggled with some things this week, maybe financially? How many of you got a bad report on your health or someone else's health that you love and you're close to? How many of you just been having these thoughts go through your head and it's like you can't seem to get those voices, the, the volume to go down. It just seems like they're going up. How many of you, maybe you've been at a place where you, you and your husband aren't seeing things eye to eye? And you go, man, I, I just need help. Or how many of you, maybe you're, you're thinking about a relationship and yet you see that person, you see the flaws in their life, and you go, how can I walk in this relationship? Or maybe you're here this morning, you go, you know what? I want to serve God with a whole heart. But I have all this stuff. Let me tell you about the great exchange. God says, you give me your stuff, give it all. How many want all of God? Come on, you can raise your hand. How many want all of God? The only way you ever get all of God is you got to give all of you. What a great deal. All right, God, here's all of me. And I want all of you. And when you do that, the love of God, the authority and the power of the risen king comes. And he deposits his life. In your life. If that's you this morning and you go, Pastor Bubba, that's me. I really need God's deposit in my life. I've been crying out, but today I want I want out of my circumstances. I want out of the stuff that I've been dealing with. And I need you to come and bring me up. If that's you, say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. No matter what it is, no matter the circumstance. See, that's me. Would you pray for me? And if you want to do, if you want me to pray for you, I'm not asking you to come to the front. I'm asking you to stand up in your chair right where you're at and say, Pastor Robert, as I, you've been speaking, speaking this morning. God's been speaking and dealing with me about areas of my life. I need God this morning. I've cried out for deliverance. I've cried out whatever it is. If you need him, if you've never given your life to Jesus, 
You can meet him today, right now in this moment. If you need God's grace and his authority and his power to help you overcome an area in your life, you can do that right now. I'm not going to beg you, but I'm going to ask you with a whole heart. Listen, I looked at one of my sons one day, not too long ago. And I said, you know what, son? You need to stop dabbling in the things of God. And you need to have an encounter with Jesus. You need to see. Because when you have an encounter, it's not a play game. You know, you, how many of you know we try ice cream? You don't try God. You give God your whole life. If that's you, and you're here this morning, say, Pastor Mark, would you pray for me? And I'm not going to judge you, whatever circumstance. I just know that I want to pray for you. I want to have compassion for you. I want to believe that God will do a miracle in your life because you need it in your life. You need his presence. You need his grace. So if that's you, would you just stand to your feet this morning? Come on. Just stand. Stand right where you are. I'm not going to beg. Good. Stand. Stand. Don't be afraid. Don't look around. Oh, I don't know. No one else is there. Listen, you know what? When you stand, God's standing with you. Come on. There's others. Thank you. All you're doing is responding to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send the, the comforter, the teacher. He's going to teach you all, all the ways. He's going to comfort you. He's going to come and give you power and strength. If you're standing, or I mean, if you're sitting by someone that's standing, would you just go and put your arm on your shoulder or kind of on their back or whatever and just let them know you're praying. Well, just do it real quick. Just do that. All all over here. Please don't leave anybody out. Guys, look to guess. There you go. If this is a family, we're just here to, (laughs) we've been where you're at. We're not judging you. We're loving on you. We just want to let you know God loves you and he cares. He loves you enough. He's going to come and touch you in your circumstances right now. Let's just pray. Father, I pray for everyone that's standing. And you know, as they stand, you know what it represents and what they're standing there for. And Lord, for this morning, I just pray for every individual. God, that you would just bring freedom and liberty. Like we talked about liberty, but Lord, we talk about freedom sometimes, but sometimes we just leave the same way we walked in. But this morning, God, I pray against every lie, everything that's been built up in their mind, in their heart. God, all the things they've walked through, and I pray deliverance power in the mighty name of Jesus over their minds and their hearts. For those that need to give their lives to you this morning, I pray they would just, it would be that surrender. It would be like, here it is, God, I can't stand on myself, stand on my own anymore, but I need you. I surrender my heart. I surrender my will. I surrender my circumstances. That you love me enough that you won't keep me where I'm at. But you will, you God, you will begin to bring me to new places. And I pray that for every person here this morning. Freedom, deliverance. And I pray the grace of God. The grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give it a hand, everybody that stood, come on.
I just want to say one more, just, I promise I'm not going to be long. But, you know, I remember when we used to come here on the five-year anniversary, I remember one of the times when Pastor Jamie wasn't coming with me, and I'd go to different people's houses, and we'd be talking about the vision of the church and what we're going to do. And I remember bringing Pastor Willem, and we went into this one house, and they had literally, I promise you, this is not a lie, they literally had a lady come. She was strung out, and she manifested demons. And Pastor Villain, when we were leaving, he said, whew, Pastor Bubba, and he's African, okay. Pastor Bubba, I've seen some devils in Africa, but Eunice got some devils. <laughs> but, you know, that didn't make me afraid because you know what I realized? The greater the darkness, the greater the light. The greater the light. The greater the difficulty. Listen to me. The greater God's able to do something in people's lives. Listen, you're in the right place. You're at the right church. You know why? Because people love you here. And all that we want to do is lift up Jesus. How many of you can testify that your life has changed? Come on, just, you know, come on, raise your hand. Your life has changed. Not because of just this place, because of God in this place. Remember, it's never about Pastor Bubba. It's never about Pastor Jamie and, and, and Pastor Cheryl. It's really about God. And I want Jamie and Cheryl to stand up. Come on, y'all give them a hand. Let me tell you something. I love this couple. We have walked through things together. That's all I'm going to say, some things together. But you know what? I say you're not going to find a finer man and a finer woman. You know why? Because they love God. They love each other. Oh, have they ever made mistakes? Yeah, but I ain't going to tell you. I still think, I still remember that time, me and Pastor Jamie. We were doing like a leadership night, and we had the same shirt on. Not the same shirt, but the same color. It wasn't the same size. And I said, well, you know what? Have you ever seen that movie Twins? He's Arnold, and I'm Danny. (laughs) But you know what? Big man, big heart. Beautiful woman, beautiful spirit. Let me tell you something. You're so blessed, and you don't even know it. You know, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I just, you know, this month, you know what I want you to do? You say, I don't know what I could do. I could never pay them back. You know how you can pay them back? Be a blessing this month. Maybe there are things God, I want God to speak. Maybe there's something you could do. Share, give, help, bless, whatever it is. Are you hearing me? I was telling, it was, I was telling Wayne this morning, I have a lady in my church, my man and lady, Mr. Charles and Miss Ruby. And when he goes shrimping, he brings me shrimp, okay? Not only does he bring me shrimp, but Miss Ruby peels the shrimps and deveins them and freezes it. And I remember one Sunday, I go, let me tell you something. I know there are people in here that love me, but no one loves me like Miss Ruby. <laughs> any woman that appeal and devein your shrimp and bring it to you, oh, Pastor, I would never give you any other way. I'm like, praise God. Lord, let Mr. Charles have a bumper crop. But anyway. You know what's amazing in our culture, in the Catholic culture? 
We so honor the priest, and, and I think you should. But literally, you know, in so many, you know, non-denominational churches, and there's always these rumors. I promise you, Jamie and Cheryl, they may not be perfect, but they love God. And he's not a pastor here by himself, but he's a pastor that has a pastor, and his pastor has a pastor, and his pastor has, are you hearing me? It's not we're accountable to a city. We're accountable to God, accountable to people that we've invited into our lives. So can we just stretch our hands and we're going to pray for Jamie and Cheryl this morning. And Trace, come on. Father, we just thank you for Jamie and Cheryl. I thank you for the call of God that is on their lives. I thank you for their faithfulness in their hands. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the this year has just been a great year in their lives. You've brought so many things. You've, you've been adjusting things and preparing things. And Lord, I just believe that this is a year that, God, they're going to see greater fruit than they've ever seen before. Lord, I pray for the city. I pray for a harvest. Lord, we're not in competition against any other church in this city. We're not. We're here. To, you said if I be lifted up, I'll draw them into myself. And, Lord, that's our desire. We want to lift you up, Jesus, that people would be attracted to you and they would see the love of Jesus in Jamie and Cheryl's lives and the fruit of everything they do, through, even through their children. What precious children through Virginia, Ethan, and Anna. I pray a blessing over this entire family. I pray that this would be the greatest year of their lives. And I pray for this congregation. This would be the greatest, as they bless their pastor, I believe as they bless their pastor, bless this church, bless this community, that their lives will be blessed. And I pray that blessing over the house. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you. Uh, You can be seated real quick. Just give you a few instructions. Did you enjoy that? Let me tell you something. Pastor Bubba will take you all.